Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Friday, October 21st, 2022. It's about 2.05 in the afternoon here on the East Coast of the United States. Uh, My guest today is no stranger to the Judging Freedom uh, audience. Phil uh, Giraldi uh, is a former CIA agent who famously told the truth to George W. Bush that Saddam Hussein did not have weapons of mass destruction and shortly thereafter ended his career in the CIA. He's known for his intellectual honesty and his willingness to buck the system. The fact that his name is Giraldi has nothing to do with my love of him, but I love him and we very much appreciate his his insights on this program. Phil, it's a pleasure. Welcome back to the show. Well, thank you as always. Thank you. Of course. So a lot has happened since uh, last we spoke. Uh, We'll start with uh, President Putin declaring uh, martial law on the four uh, provinces of Ukraine, which according to President Putin have always been a part of Russia, and which according to President Putin now are a part uh, of Russia. Uh, We'll talk about the Russian military vacating uh, one of those provinces, and we'll talk about the Uh, Western media, which makes it sound as if Russia has its back to the wall. So with those three topics, we'll uh, start with the um, Ukrainian advance on the ground. Uh, We welcome your thoughts. Well, you know, uh, I always kind of preface my thoughts with the with the the observation uh, that uh, I don't really know what's going on on the ground there. Um, I, I read, um, I, I observe and I read a number of commentators that I believe are much better wired in, uh, than I am. Uh, Colonel McGregor would be one. Um, I like, uh, a number of, uh, different websites that, uh, offer observations of what's going on. I would say that, you know, you, you have to basically look to the sourcing. If somebody is there, if somebody is knowledgeable, if somebody is making sense out of what's occurring, then you have to kind of go with that. Uh, I find in general that the um, uh, people that are arguing that uh, that Russia basically is realigning its uh, defensive lines are making a lot of sense. And those who are talking a lot about uh, major victories on the part of the Ukrainians are not making much sense. Uh, If you look at the casualties, it would appear that the Ukrainians are taking many, many more casualties than are the Russians, which is certainly one measure of the way things are going. What do you uh, believe your former colleagues are telling the president? Are they telling him, as you told us, they were telling him months ago, uh, everything is coming up roses. Putin's back is to the wall. He has no support in Moscow and his troops are poorly trained. Or are they telling him 
what you just said. Uh, the Russian military might is destined to uh, overcome the Ukrainian military weaknesses. Well, I have to believe that at least some analysts uh, in senior positions in the U.S. intelligence community are uh, at least being objective about what alternative explanations are. But the issue becomes, how does this, this uh, information process work out the closer you get to the people who actually make the decisions, uh, which would be uh, obviously the president of the United States, and his cabinet and a few other selected individuals. Um, these people might very well be um, adhering more closely to what would be a political judgment about what is going on. And is, there no sense of, of, is there no sense of honor and ethics? I mean, if somebody like you were in the field observing or learning first or second hand from reliable sources, what the data is. Saddam Hussein has weapons of mass destruction. Saddam Hussein does not have weapons of mass destruction. If somebody, you in the field, makes an honest judgment about the state of things, by what right can someone superior to you put spin on that just to make themselves look good in the Oval Office? Do I have this right, Phil? Yeah, I think you have it right. I mean, the, the fact is that these uh, people we're talking about are not necessarily trained intelligence officers. They're people who are politicians. And essentially, they will ultimately want to be telling the story that the people in charge want to hear. And I'm afraid that's the way the system works. And I'm afraid that's what we've been seeing. I mean, the, uh, here we have the Secretary of Defense saying openly that the objective of all this fighting and, and arming of, of Ukrainians and, and money going one way uh, is to weaken Russia and to get rid of Russia's elected leader. Uh, this is a pretty straight message, and this is a political message. It has nothing to do with U.S. interests. Why is... Um Putin attacking, or why do you think Putin is attacking civilian targets? I don't know that he's aiming at apartment buildings, but he's certainly close to government buildings in Kyiv. He seems to be aiming at uh, infrastructure, utilities, uh, and transportation lines. Yeah, well, I think that the answer to that is kind of obvious. He's, uh, he's aiming at primarily, I think you're right, infrastructure. And the reason is to make the, the lives of the Ukrainians uh, who are continuing to use the U.S. supplied weapons and, and, and so on and so forth and money uh, to make their lives as miserable as possible to move them closer to a negotiated settlement, which he has repeatedly indicated he's interested in doing. Will, will any amount uh, of damage caused by the Russian military, in your view, um, temper of the enthusiasm of NATO and the West and the globalists and the State Department for their goal of driving Putin from uh, office. I mean, stated differently, would any amount of Russian victory stop the flow of armaments to Ukraine and a phone call from uh, the Chancellor of Germany? I, I would say the, the Prime Minister of Great Britain, but that changes every couple of weeks or the president of the United States saying, hey, Vladimir, 
um, sit down with the other Vladimir because we're not going to help you anymore? Or is the determination by Tony Blinken, the Secretary of State, and his friends in uh, Western Europe so firm uh, that they will deny reality and never stop supplying the Ukrainians? Well, reality has a way of catching up with you. Um, I recently, as you know, spent uh, three weeks in Europe and I spoke to a lot of Europeans and the Europeans are going very wobbly on what's going on in Ukraine. And there have been demonstrations and, and there's been a lot of agitation to reverse course. So I think we're going to see some, some, some wiggle room there. And I think that the, the, the reality is that we could have, uh, judging from comments that came from some leading Republicans yesterday, we could have some serious wiggle room on Ukraine if the Republicans rout the Democrats, which I sincerely hope they will. You mean if they rout the Democrats and take control of one or both houses of Congress in the elections in three weeks? Yeah, that's exactly what I mean. I, th I okay. think that the, um, the, the funny thing about this whole Ukraine, Ukraine war business is it's been oversold. And, and I think you, 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 could, you can even see in the mainstream media now where there, there, are, there is less reporting on it, more, less stories on it, because the, basically the whole project is untenable. And it does nothing for the United States. It does nothing for the American people who are suffering under inflation, which the president uh, presumes to deny in a recession, recession, which the president presumes to deny. And um, in, a, in an economic situation, which is going to be very troubling over the next couple of months. And I think voters when, are going to be looking at that. When you say the Ukraine war has been oversold, uh, are you pointing fingers at CIA and MI6? Uh, CIA, MI6 and FBI have all had uh, major roles in terms of supporting. Well, you know, the FBI just keeps getting its nose in all kinds of things. What under the name of God does the FBI have to do with a war in Ukraine? Well, the FBI, I think, I think it de facto has become a political player uh, over the last 10 years, certainly. And uh, that's what we're seeing. Uh, uh, but anyway, the, yeah, you know, who are the ones that are, are pushing this thing? Well, uh, the simple answer, of course, is always to say the defense industries. Right. The defense industries have money. Money elects politicians. Politicians are aware of who got them elected, and, and they, they naturally do what they're being asked to do. And uh, I, I was uh, in, in the car with my wife uh, earlier today, and I was saying to her, how the hell did, did Joe Biden uh, make enough money to be worth $15 million now when his whole life he was a politician and his wife was a school teacher? You have to ask yourself these things, and every once in a while the answer will be unpleasant. Um, when the um, bridge to Crimea was partially destroyed, uh, did you come to any conclusion about who was behind that? Because one of your colleagues, a person you and I uh, respect and have been in his presence, uh, said it had the earmarks of MI6. Yeah, I think the um, U.S. and British intelligence primarily are playing a major role in these so-called offensives uh, by the Ukrainians and the various uh, sabotage-type actions that they've succeeded in, in, uh, in doing. 
So I think, yeah, it, it smelled like MI6, just like the uh, uh, undersea, the Nord Stream undersea pipeline absolutely smelled like the United States Navy. Wow. So the you have intimated, we haven't really discussed this in detail, that the nature of that type of sabotage could only have been done by a government. So it was probably uh, it was probably Navy SEALs doing doing that. And and if so, would something of that magnitude, which is an act of war on Russia, could only have happened if the President of the United States have signed off on it, Phil? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is this was a, a major escalation. Uh, and, and particularly the, the feeble attempt made afterwards to blame it on the Russians. The Russians <laughs> destroyed their own property, apparently, to punish us. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, and you know, this is the kind of crap that we've been hearing ever since uh, the, the fighting started in February. Uh, the president had to approve this kind of action. It's an act of war, very definitely an act of war, and a major escalation in a conflict in which uh, unfortunately, both sides are talking nuclear. Now, that's what really scares me. When I was on that, when I was in Europe, and I, I heard that uh, Biden had made a speech the day before, and he was talking about Armageddon. Uh, is this man tightly wrapped? Is mm. the policy something that anyone with an IQ above sixteen has actually considered? One of the things he said while you were away, and I'm sure you grasped this knowing you, you devour the news from a variety of sources you told us, uh, was a threat to China that we would defend Taiwan. I mean, Taiwan is an island. We have maybe a dozen troops there that are acknowledged. I don't know how we would get the materials there needed. We'd have to get it through the Chinese Navy and beyond the Chinese uh, Air Force, and I can't imagine... Uh, a will on the part of the American people to shed a drop of American blood or spend a dollar of American borrowed cash uh, to defend Taiwan. But yet in the midst of this conflagration with Ukraine, Biden has chosen to raise that issue and to take a stand that sounded a bit more like Donald Trump than JFK. Yeah, well, I have to, I, I have to believe that this is a, this is a, shall we say, a three-week policy. Uh, they are throwing every card on the table to show how tough, resolved, determined, and powerful the United States is. He also made some comment about how strong the U.S. economy is. Well, you know, that that contradicts everything else that's being said by every economist. And, and, and this stuff is being thrown on the table in hopes that when the election comes uh, in November, that uh, the Democrats will be able to hold on. Uh, but we'll see how that's going to play out. Getting back to um, uh, the blowing up of the bridge to Crimea, or from Crimea, whichever direction you're going, would the president have had to sign off on that since if the CIA or the SEALs were involved, that too was an act of war, just like the sabotage of the Nord Stream pipeline? Uh, I would suspect that if the U.S. were directly involved, he would have to do so. So uh, how does that work? Does some senior CIA management person go to the White House with a, with a team of analysts there or however 
uh, and say, Mr. President, we want to work with the Brits to blow up this bridge. Mr. President, we want to work with the Navy uh, to blow up this pipeline. And Joe listens and he signs a piece of paper authorizing it. Is that the way it works? Well, I think in this case, obviously, since it was a military operation, it more likely would be the Secretary of Defense uh, or um, a National Security Advisor that would actually go to the president and saying, we need your authorization. We need your consent to do this. And I don't know if anything, uh, if it amounts to signing a piece of paper or not, but I, I think it's a, it, it, it is a solid commitment that the president has to make to do this sort of thing because it's, uh, it's again, an act of war. Let me ask you what I have been asking uh, Colonel McGregor uh, and uh, Scott Ritter. Very simple, uh, one-sentence question. Can Russia lose this war? Uh, well, of course, winning and losing is a very subjective sort of thing. I think Russia... Only somebody with a PhD from the University of Chicago, <laughs> and I say that with the greatest of respect, started out that way because you can imagine McGregor said, no, they can't lose. Ritter said, no, they can't lose. And I'm thinking, i got to ask Phil. <laughs> uh, I would say there are ways to win and lose. You can win uh, basically on the battlefield where I believe Russia has no chance of losing, although it may not have um, quite the capability to accomplish everything it initially wanted to set out. So is that a loss? No, I don't think so. I think Russia will, will basically accomplish most of what it sought. But losing is basically the, the drubbing that, that Russia and Putin have been taking from the international media, which is being orchestrated primarily by the United States and Britain. So they're, they're making Russia look bad, uh, no matter what Russia does or what it succeeds in doing. But I think in terms of the uh, uh, objectives, the uh, um, maintenance of, uh, of Crimea as part of Russia, and the, uh, the other provinces that are primarily Russian eventually becoming part of Russia. They are part of Russia as far as they're concerned right now. Uh, I think Russia will accomplish those things. Phil Giraldi, always a pleasure. Thank you very much for joining us. We hope you come back again soon. Sure will. Thank you very much. Of course. Justin Napolitano for Judging Freedom.